This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 82 with Holden Ryu and Adam Thoret on catching every species in Colorado. Well, uh, like I said, I don't usually do a uh, podcast with two guests, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and as I start all my podcasts, I'd like to get a background on both of you guys and how you got into fishing. So maybe just uh, Holden, we'll go with you first, and um, and then we'll go with Adam and, and get a background on both of you guys. Of course. Uh, so my name is Holden Ryu. Uh, I'm a student. I'm currently studying ichthyology, um, the discipline of fish, uh, and I'm intending to go into fish, fish research and eventually veterinary school um, with us um, specializing in um, becoming an aquatic veterinarian. And uh, I got started fishing um, actually with Adam and we can kind of get into that story later, but I like to think I've come a long way. Um, I mainly specialize in rod and reel fishing and he takes the fly fishing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really got my, myself started in fishing. I just, one day decided, you know, I kind of need to get out of the house more and I decided to pick up and buy a fly rod. And just as Holden was saying, I kind of started around the same time as him. And we kind of went out together a lot uh, in those early days. And I was just going out, man. I was out at Bear Creek up in the front range, just like all the time, just trying to figure it out. But yeah, me and Holden, we were out there all the time and it kind of, re-sparked our friendship after um, middle school because that's where we originally met and you know back in high school we were like oh we're both starting to get into fishing so then we you know kind of re-sparked the friendship and we started going out again and it, it was awesome it was a good time so I know we're going to get into the this challenge that you guys have come up with your um 
for yourselves to catch all the species in Colorado. But Holden, you mentioned that you're more of a, like a typical rod and reel guy. And Adam, you sound more fly fishing. Are you guys like fishing together with different methods? And uh, I assume that that means that you don't have like a specific uh, technique that needs to be used to catch all these species. So generally what happens is it kind of dependent on where we're going at the time. We kind of switch back and forth. For instance, um, let's say that we're going carp fishing together, then I kind of take over with rod and reel. But if we're going up to a particular alpine lake, Adam knows, then we kind of both fly fish together. It's really like we kind of switch between who's guiding each other depending on the scenario. That's that's pretty cool. Like, do you guys both do a little bit of both then? Uh, yeah, but I'm 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 awful at fly fishing. Adam <laughs> Adam handles everything in that department. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I we we've been kind of helping each other out. You know, I'm I'm always out here trying to learn new things about spin fishing, and he's teaching me everything. And he's always trying to learn about fly fishing, so I'm helping him out. And I, I've always been a little bit more interested in the fly fishing side of things. I, I work as a guide now uh, up in Vail, Colorado, so I, I've been really pursuing that head on and but I'm always trying to learn more about spin fishing there's a lot more that you can do with it especially so it's really interesting to me that's really cool I'm I'm kind of jealous of you guys that I don't have somebody who's that close to me that does a lot of spin fishing because I used to do a lot and now I'm I'm basically uh, exclusively fly fishing but like you said there's a lot of situations where it would be really nice to um, have that other skill set uh you know, I just caught my first carp on the fly this past year kind of by accident, but uh, I feel like if I had been using a spin rod, I would have probably had a lot better success because it just, it lends itself better to some species. Um, and same with fly fishing. I mean, like you said, the high alpine lakes, I think fly fishing is often uh, a more successful method up there. Um, so it sounds like you guys kind of complement each other. Definitely. Like, for instance, I uh, I definitely, Adam couldn't catch a catfish if he tried, <laughs> and I could not catch a, I could not catch a trout if my life depended on it. <laughs> well, I think that's why a lot of time people associate fly fishing with trout, um, because it, I think it truly is often the, the easier way to catch them. If they're eating something small on the surface, I don't know what you're supposed to do with a spin rod in that case. Um and, and likewise, I know you guys are still going for lake trout. Uh, there's not a lot of places you can catch a lake trout on a fly uh, without doing a lot of extra work, I think. Um, so let's let's get into the, the challenge you guys have made. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's just you guys are trying to catch every species in Colorado. Um, but tell me if there's more to that. Like, how did you guys come up with this and what rules did you set for yourselves? So it all kind of, um, it all started, um, it, well, actually, I, I, there's kind of a prequel, if it's all right, if I yeah, kind of get yeah, into that. Please. So um, the first time I think Adam and I ever went fishing, like in years, was, um, this was kind of like Adam, what Adam was talking about earlier with re-sparking our friendship. Um, we both wanted to kind of try fishing. And so I found the spot online called Mount Evans Trout Fishing. It's basically this guaranteed pay pond where if you go up and don't catch a fish, you have done something seriously wrong. I think I know what and you're talking so, about. I think there's yeah, a billboard exactly. for it on I-70. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's laughing right now because so we, we drive up there and it's about an hour drive and it's closed. And we were seriously considering jumping that fence because we did not want the hour drive to be for nothing. And it was a, so there was a pond at my, at my high school where there were a bunch of carp in it. And both of us had no idea when, at that time, we didn't know what we were doing when it came to fishing. So we go, we try and catch these carp. We fail miserably. 
And, um, but that was kind of, that was kind of sparked, um, fishing for me. Cause I really, really like wanted to learn like how to consistently catch these fish. And that's kind of when the challenge almost started for me uh, because later, um, co- well, COVID hit and quarantine kind of canceled my, originally I was, I was taking a graduation trip and that got, then COVID hit, obviously that got canceled. And so I reach out to Adam and I say, Hey, listen, do you want to like crazy idea? We're both try. We're both trying to get better fishing. What if we caught every species of game fish in Colorado? And it's an objectively stupid idea because at the time we were too inexperienced to realize, like, kind of the what that entailed. Mm-hmm. And it was the best idea I've ever had. Looking back on it, but I can concede it was an objectively stupid idea. Um, and. So that's like, it was, that was kind of where the challenge was born. Like just this, having this new, having something to kind of pursue and like kind of take on during quarantine. No, for sure. I I agree. It's just when, when he proposed the idea to me, I was like, what is this kid thinking? But you know, after, after some, some reflection, I realized what a better way, there's no better way than to fast track improving your fishing than just going big. And we, I was like, all right, I'm in. And it, it was great because especially in those early times, it was so awesome to just learn all these different strategies, especially, you know, when it comes to like carp strategies and how to catch a walleye, you know, like so many different things that goes into it. And it was awesome to just kind of like get thrown right into it and just have to figure it out on your own, which is kind of fun in its own way. So there's definitely like a, we should probably clarify with, um, so the first time I looked, I looked up when we were, I was kind of, we were specifying what the challenge should consist of together. I remember looking at the fish species of Colorado Wikipedia page and realizing, wait, hold on, this is conventionally impossible. There are, I think, over 230 species of fish in Colorado by technicality, because that includes introduced fish. Um, for instance, like, let's say the red tail catfish, which has been, it's an aquarium fish and it can only live in the Amazon. And because people put it into rivers from aquariums, um, it technically counts as a fish in Colorado, but no one would realistically classify it as such. So what Ab and I did was we kind of cut down the fish that we needed for, to catch for the challenge to, it has to be a game fish. Um, it has to be a fish that has been stocked intentionally, and uh, it cannot be conventionally impossible to catch. Uh, for instance, it, if it has to be realistically possible to spend a pretty good amount of time fishing for it and then catching it. Um, for instance, there is, I believe, um, there is this. There are several species of fish that are highly endangered that if we fished for years on the river, maybe we'd catch one of them. So those obviously don't count. Um, but it, it, strictly game fish was kind of the plan. And it started to expand a little. Uh, and that was that started to get interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure one of those was the Colorado pike minnow. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Colorado pike minnow. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I have heard that of that one. It's like a, a, a real fluke when someone catches one. Um, that was going to be my next question though. When you started talking about like, it's got to be, uh, 
you didn't use the word native, but you said like it should be here. And it's like, well, you know, where do you draw the line between a fish that, you know, really shouldn't be here? But, but I think the intentional stocking is a good way to say it because like, you know, brook trout shouldn't be here, but it's pretty well established that brook trout are in Colorado. You know, you can't, you can't really like argue that that's not a game fish that would count under, under this system. Um, so I kind of like that, uh, that system you came up with to narrow it down to something realistic, but still a very difficult goal. Um, and I still, I still like that you guys went from we barely fish to we want to catch every fish in the state. <laughs> like, that's that's <laughs> go, quite a big go jump. Go big or go home. <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to make you guys really well-rounded anglers because, um, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, you know, I'll go a whole summer and catch nothing but trout. Um, and I, I do like to, to vary what I'm catching. Um, but at the end of the day, most of the techniques I'm using are pretty similar to one another. Uh, and to do the variety of species you're talking about, like you've got to be able to, um, you know, drift a dry fly. You've got to be able to sink a streamer way down to the bottom, um, get a little lucky. I'm sure a lot of the time, uh, and, and with, with rod and reel. Yeah. Just like using bait, using lures. I'm sure you guys do use all kinds of stuff. Um, but that, that's really cool. I feel like it's a really good way to get really good at fishing in general. Yeah, no, it's um, learning, like, I cannot emphasize enough, like, how many tactics I had to learn. For instance, like, when starting carp fishing, like, I did not realize that there was this entire world behind, like, the rigs that you have to, that you can set up. For instance, there's chod rigs, there's hair rigs, and there's all sorts of just really advanced stuff. And I'm still obviously a complete amateur at so many of them, but with all these fish, they all kind of have their own approach and tactics and learning those was just, was so much fun. It was just, it was so much fun to like try something new and try and be forced to try something new to complete this challenge. And to do that for uh, 43 species, that was, that was the real challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Is 43 the gold number or what you're at right now? Uh, 43 is the complete goal number. We are almost done. We have uh, only a f- we have a few more left, and that includes the fish of opportunity list. The fish of opportunity are uh, fish that we aren't actively targeting, but if we're in the area, we'll go for them. For instance, the Arctic char, which is it's there only in uh, Lake Dillon, and they're pretty. They're uh, apart from that, they're not really in Colorado, and they're and they're just kind of an additional fun challenge if we want to go for it. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Arctic char is in Lake Dillon and another lake in Maine, and that's it for the lower 48. Like, that's it for Arctic char in the oh, lower really? 48. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh, I would have guessed that there was something in, like, Montana, Idaho, like somewhere kind of up north toward toward Canada. I'm surprised to hear that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, like, that's it. It's just weird that they're in there, and, you know, we could sit there and try and try and try and catch all the kokanees and all the stalker rainbows before we get one. But, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll try our hand at some ice fishing and see if we can't get one. I think that might be our plan. So I saw on your, uh, the, the, the document you filled out that you had a, a bad experience chasing Arctic char, uh, or it said that Adam, Adam might not go back based on <laughs> the disastrous trip last time. Um, if I'm understanding that correctly, uh, I'd like to hear the story on that. Wait, was it the Arctic char or the green sunfish that was the that was the killer? Oh, sorry, I think I misread. I think I misread that about one. The, the tiger. So we're talking about officers' gulch tiger trout. Oh, 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 that's gotcha. one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think I might have mistyped that one. That that's absolutely my bad. <laughs> 
so what happened is the tiger trout was a total nightmare to catch. Um, really? A complete and utter nightmare. So For no reason. We have to... For no reason. Um, so we go up and we decide, like, hey, look, summer's getting real close to an end. Um, we should probably go for the tiger trout. And so we and so we go up to St. Mary's Reservoir to try and uh, to, for, to give them a shot because allegedly they were stocked up there. And the first time we go up there, it is chock full of tourists. We were not ex- like that was total shock because most of the locations we've been to are pretty obscure. We don't see too many anglers absolutely filled with people. And um, when we do try and fly fish for these tiger trout, they are so terrifyingly intelligent. I have I have not since, and I don't think Adam has either, encountered a trout that will intentionally just bump your fly, not take it, just <laughs> bump it to see if you'll set the hook and pull it away from it. And it was that, we tried, I think it was a total of four trips before I cast out on a hopper and it took it and um, I, I'm screaming and Adam runs over and nets it. It was, that was a just very traumatizing experience just because of how unex- the unexpected difficulty spike in how just intelligent they were and the logistics and having to walk up there for 45 minutes and 45 minutes back after a hour drive. That was not particularly pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, and in addition to that, um, I had kind of gone on my own several times to a place called Officer's Gulch, kind of over by Silverthorne, uh, a lake there. I had gone, I want to say, like over a dozen times. And it's not that I wasn't catching fish. It's that there's also brook trout in that lake. And I would just, I don't know how unlucky I had to have been to only catch brook trout for like 12 times, but I was only catching brook trout i could not figure it out like they're in there i i wish i had talked to you guys back when you were trying to do this because i would have i i didn't know that they were in saint mary's lake that does ring a bell now i feel like maybe i heard that somewhere but i've been up there a handful of times just because that's where we take you know we've got people visiting from low elevation and they want to see mountains we're like we'll just go to saint mary's glacier because it's not far and the hike is doable um but you're right it's it's always that packed like there's never not a massive crowd of people there. Um, but I could, I feel like I could have gotten you guys a tiger trout on like your first cast at another lake. <laughs> we also um, had to stop a, a tourist from drinking the, um, the water because, <laughs> and that would have gotten her Giardia. So I guess there's a, I guess I'm glad we went just to save her from that. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't for nothing then. I, just in general, I have like a whole, a whole list of um, things that are probably kind of like, generic questions about your challenge so I'm sure you guys get a lot but just like I want to hear what species have been you know maybe surprisingly easy surprisingly difficult um what's been some like challenges that you faced along the way just like tell me like what you've what you've encountered uh since starting this of course so for me personally um one of the things that stands out to me the most was the was the path to catch a tiger muskie and so the second I saw it on the list of um, fish we'd have to catch, because it it checked all the boxes, it was intentionally stocked, it was possible to catch it after reasonable effort, but it doesn't have the name, the fish of 10,000 casts uh, without reason, and that really spooked me. So it 
still manages to be somehow the hardest fish on this list and the easiest fish that I had to catch because what happened is, so I went out, um, so I got a tip off that they had been stopped at this one lake. And so I go out and I was unaware of the entire world behind um, musky, tiger musky fishing. And so I just try and get a basic intro. I read up on it and I buy a few, uh, buy a few choice lures and I go out and I think I spent in total about 20 hours going after that fish in over about two days. And I finally just gave up out of sheer frustration. And then I go and I switch to my bass fishing gear just because I just want to get more ally before I try again. And I cast out to this one hole with bass. The first cast, I have never had a, like a fish hit that hard. And I pull in and there's this there's a 36 inch tiger muskie on the end of that who just hit the swim bait and i net it and i just like roar in <laughs> just sheer amazement i was just it was so cool to like it felt earned but at the same time i somehow felt like i cheated and that was like Adam knows I brag about catching a tiger muskie whenever I can, um, but that fish definitely stands out to me as um, one of the hardest fish I've had to catch, but uh, also just so, it was so cool to see, like, this just beautiful fish in the net after after all that. <laughs> were you there yeah, for that, Adam? Or were you, no, were you by yourself? No, I, I actually wasn't present for that. I was... Uh... I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I wasn't present. But when he told me, I did not believe him. Until I saw the he picture, got... I did not believe him. I was like, you're lying. This could be the hardest fish to catch in the list by far. It's not even close. But he had it, and on the bass gear, it, it worked. I immediately called him after I caught it just to brag for about five minutes straight. <laughs> well, I feel like you got to be like a little bit jealous, but also a little bit relieved that like, hey, this fish, you know, has been caught by the group. Like now I don't have to to worry about trying to do this because oh, yeah. I'm sure it was like stressful to be like, oh, now I've got to go out and try for this thing that I know for a fact is not going to be an easy task. Oh, yeah, I was... I was seriously considering putting some money aside just to go for like a guide because that was literally the only way I could see like catching it without like keeping go just going at this random effectively strategy of random chance. So that was very relieving for the whole challenge. You know, it reminds me, um, I kind of feel the same way because I have caught one muskie in my life and it was also fishing for bass. And it's a weird feeling that you can't really describe, but you said it perfectly where you're like, you don't really feel like you deserved it but you I mean you still did it you still you know spent your time and landed the fish and everything like it, there's there's nothing discounting what you did but I have the same feeling where I'm like but I haven't caught one while I'm trying to which is like you know a weird line that I feel like you don't really understand unless you have tried to target a species and and caught one um and I think you might not be understandable by somebody who's never tried to go uh do something like that in the fishing world Definitely, definitely. It's I feel so accomplished, but at the same time unfulfilled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe I'll go out for a musky legitimately one of these days. We'll see. We'll see. So which which fish have been um, surprisingly difficult to catch that you thought would be a shoe in? Okay, let's tell the story of the green sunfish. Yeah, um, so so regard earlier with the story where we went back to my to my high school in this pond. Um, there were these sunfish over there, and I remember catching these, like, small bluegills and sunfish from my childhood, and I thought, 
oh, it'd be so easy to just kind of dip the hook in with a worm on it and they'll go for it. Somehow, these fish absolutely knew that. And after about two hours of effort, we had nothing. And it was the height of embarrassment for me just to try and catch sunfish and somehow come up empty. And so later, when we're looking at this challenge, I, I kind of, we both made a promise that the green sunfish is going to be the last fish that we catch on this list. And the second that we catch the easiest fish on this list, there's going to be fireworks, there's going to be celebration. It's, but that's going to, that's to satisfy the grudge. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, Holden, you had mentioned that you are going to use your big saltwater shark rod <laughs> and we're going to catch the sunfish <laughs> on a big shark rod at a kid's pond. I mean, that would be it's, really funny. So It's a 12-foot, it's a 12-foot surf rod um, with an 80-pound drag, so good luck to any sunfish hooked. <laughs> I mean, they do fight hard. The panfish do fight hard. They so do you... <laughs> fight hard. <laughs> well, there's there's a green sunfish pond about five minutes from my house. It's got a nice little dock you can stand on, so uh, if you guys save it for last, I can I can direct you right out to them, and they where I have caught them, they have not been difficult to catch. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds incredible. I'll bring the saltwater rod. <laughs> what uh what other challenges have you encountered? Just not necessarily in terms of what fish was difficult to catch, but just like things you didn't consider going into it. Um, have you have you encountered anything along the way that's had to make you like pivot your plan or or anything like that? Yeah, I I think I'll, I'll kind of start with this. Um, Really, when we were first getting into the challenge and doing a lot of the research on the fish we'd have to catch, uh, I knew we were going to get to this eventually, but the golden trout is something that came up and we had initially almost written it off because we had like zero information on whether or not it was possible or where they could be. But after a while, we really looked into it. I looked into it some more, Holden looked into it some more. And we had found, you know, several leads that it was possible and we really hadn't, you know, I mean, I had been backpacking a few times before, but I really was more or less just kind of a newbie at it. And Holden, I, from what I'm aware, had never been at all. And it was like, well, if we're going to catch the golden trout, we're going to have to go backpacking to an alpine lake way up in, you know, the middle of nowhere. Uh, I won't obviously disclose the location of the golden trout, as you know, Katie, because you've you've been up there. Uh, it's, it, it was really just kind of a pivot of the entire challenge. And it was almost hands on deck. We're going for the golden trout. Like we have to try. It started as like, kind of, I remember the day that we kind of decided the challenge. And I remember looking at the golden trout on the list and initially writing it off. But then like this little voice in my head kind of said, like, will I really be able to satisfy this? If I know, like, I can catch this fish and it satisfies the conditions. Like, will I be kind of happy with myself knowing like I could have caught it and I gave up because it was too much work. And um, that thought kind of, I think, sustained both of us throughout the many hours of research that um, came after that. Yeah. And what that really entailed was just hours of photo cross-referencing and Google Maps just deep diving into all like i mean we looked at a lot of alpine lakes in colorado on google maps we went through a lot like easily over a hundred and we just cross-referenced it the best we could until we had 
one spot that was like, if it's there, it's there. Definitely. That was a major part. But another thing that kind of came up for me was um, what was unexpected was kind of the danger of burnout. Um, I love fish like nothing else. Um, I will no doubt have a career working with fish. And I love it. To I love fishing. I love fish keeping. You name it. But even I, like, it was kind of always a risk to kind of, like, there would, be, there would be times where I'd put a ton of effort into, like, catching one fish. For instance, um, like, the smallmouth bass or was a shockingly unexpected amount of effort. And then um, just kind of, it was always, I kind of had to learn to pace myself and not to throw myself at things way too much where I get just way too tired and burned out. And so that was definitely a larger kind of life lesson, like pace yourself, kind of take it easy. And then you'll kind of, I would just would be way more productive just as a fisherman, rather than just kind of just casting out mindlessly, just kind of being able to learn to put in this intentional effort. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, I'm sure the burnout gets worse the, the farther you go because the you know as you get down to the end, I feel like those fish take a lot more time to to get, you know, a lot more effort spent, you know, kind of. It, it's not wasted effort, but going out and probably not catching anything and having to come back and and reassess and replan. Um, I feel like it's it's hard to get burnt out when you go out and you catch like three new species and you're like, we're making such great progress, <laughs> you know. But then when you're when you're going out for like four or five days for one fish and it's not happening because you know there's brook trout in there or whatever. Um, I feel like that's when it's got to get you know, you're, you're weighing your options. Do I go fishing today and probably not catch my goal species or do I go do something else that I can have a lot more fun and, and not get as frustrated? Um, and I think that's kind of part of the, part of the process is just, you know, sticking with it and, and understanding that, you know, you might have to take a break and, and maybe just go fishing for fun and not worry about the challenge, um, in order to keep it fun and exciting. Definitely. For the golden trout, is that how you guys know John? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least I, I reached out to John after we did it, and I found out, obviously, from your podcast, actually, that he's a rod builder. So I, I that's how I know him, is I had him, I asked him to build me a rod. Oh, I'll have to send, uh, have, to, have to have him send me a commission check since I uh, <laughs> directed you <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, I also wanted to ask uh, if it's not, if it's not a sensitive area, because I feel like most of the places I know for them are not sensitive areas. Um, where did you catch your smallmouth bass? And if it is a sensitive place, you don't need to tell me, but um, I, I'm curious if it's somewhere nearby. 
So I tried to, I initially tried a bunch at um, Chatfield okay. and I had absolutely no luck. And um, so instead what I did was I was trying something totally new. Um, I went, I was actually fly fishing for them on the South Platte, right in the middle of Denver, um, kind of near Lakewood and using a, actually I was using a carp fly that emulates a crayfish. And I was just kind of jutting that along or pulling that really quickly along the bottom. And uh, that's how I caught him. He hit that. He hit it really hard. And um, that was a smallmouth done. It was it was really embarrassing to go out for about five trips for the smallmouth and come up empty. And then first time fly fishing for them, I, I come up with the success. So that was nice and a message that I shouldn't go to Chatfield anymore. Those are some of the places I thought you might mention. Um... I, I also haven't had much luck for smallmouth in Colorado. I've caught a ton um, back home in Pennsylvania, but in Colorado, I fished where there are smallmouths, and I tend to catch uh, basically everything else that's in there instead of smallmouths. Um, I don't know if I need to up the size I'm using, but I'll catch like a bunch of big big sunfish of of different types, and just it just seems to avoid the the bass. But large mouths, I don't have a problem catching at all. It just seems to be the smallmouths. It's the same in um, Colorado too. Actually, technically, the large mouth was the first fish that we caught for the challenge um what was happening is it, this was in the middle of online class so i um this was it was i was a senior in high school and so i turned off my video and i drove out and went fishing and caught a largemouth and drove back and turned on my video again before class ended <laughs> so that was the most productive day of high school i've had wise use of time <laughs> so that that might answer my next question which was going to be did you guys count anything retroactively did you say you know i've caught rainbow trout before so we don't have to catch another one or did you start restart the timer or restart the, the clicker at, at the at the time you started the challenge i believe everything we've caught has been legit um we i don't believe we've turned back the clock on any of okay. them because um yeah i've caught flatheads and blue catfish in the past but um it, we we have to kind of start anew for the challenge okay. as we saw it. Like, yeah, I remember it, we we made it a point where it was like when we start the challenge, we have to recap. Like I I, mean, I had caught a rainbow trout before, but you know that doesn't count. We needed it for the challenge. Okay. And we're both attending colleges in different states. Um, I'm in Oregon, uh, Adams in Texas, and we have to catch the fish in Colorado. Um, for instance, uh, I, I've caught uh, I've caught a bunch of um, blue catfish here, or I'm so sorry, uh, I've caught some flathead catfish out here, but it doesn't count for the challenge unless we catch it in the state of Colorado proper. Got it. And that's because you were both born here? Is that why Colorado? You know, we more see it as like, it has to be, it's more, I can't even really describe why it's a rule. Um, it's just... If it's outside of Colorado, it doesn't conform to the original challenge. Right. Uh, we need to catch it. We need to catch it using the tactics appropriate to the state of Colorado. And because, for instance, here in Oregon, I, I can catch fish in this gigantic uh, river, the Columbia, but I can't. But it's not the same tactics that I use in Colorado. So, like, can I really kind of call myself a Colorado angler if? If I'm using the tactic, I, I see it as illegitimate. It, okay. it, I know it might make, it's hard to describe. No, I think a challenge <laughs> has to have boundaries. You can't just, 
you can't just make the sky your limit and then you'll never achieve it. You've got to, you've got to put some sort of limitation on it. So uh, it's very obvious when things count and when things don't count. And that's why I think it was good that you guys kind of went through the list and said, okay, you know, if it's not a game fish, it's out. Cause you're not going to, you're probably not going to catch one. Um, and then if it's, if it's like you said, the pike minnow where people catch them by accident, like after, after fishing the same spot a hundred times, um, it's not really a matter of, can you put in the work and get it? It's kind of more of a, a chance thing. And so, Setting those boundaries, I think, makes the challenge, um, you know, you can set the appropriate difficulty, I guess. And then you know when it's complete. Uh, and that wouldn't be the case if you just kind of left it open-ended like that. Do you guys have plans, you know, I, assuming you complete this challenge, to expand it out and, like, try to do something like the whole country or, or anything like that? I know that would be a, a exponentially larger challenge, but, like, wh- where what's next? So I'm actually looking at, um, I'm looking at transferring to Florida um, for veterinary school. And I was actually looking at the challenge of catching every fish in Florida, but this time um, recording it and kind of recording the whole process because there's so many um, store like there's so many just stories from catching the fish in Colorado that like, I wish I'd kind of I'd be able to show to you on video. Like, I'd love to show you, like, kind of the tiger muskie um, hit, but I I obviously can't. And I'd love to kind of make it more of a video as almost this process to kind of document the different tactics that you have to use, even though, like, all these fish may seem the same to catch, just the nuance required. Um, Yeah, that's the the plan. (laughs) What about you, Adam? Do you have any, like, follow-up plans? Yeah, I guess for me right now, I'm kind of trying to finish college and I'm really trying to pursue fly fishing like really heavily. I'm trying on honestly, I think for the next step for me is really going to be trying to catch all the game fish on fly. Um, I've already got permit and bonefish. I went to Belize for that. Um, so that was fantastic. But I'd still love to, you know, while I'm still in Texas, especially go down to like Galveston, Houston and go for some redfish and really just try and broaden my horizons when it, as it comes to fly fishing um because it, it's really become a passion of mine kind of sprouted and born from this original colorado challenge and i'd love to uh kind of reconvene with holden um and do some i know i know we have some tentative plans to to go to some crazy places uh golden dorado in bolivia is one thing that we that, that we've discussed for sure and yeah, no, I'm a. I'm looking into uh, we. One of our plans for graduation is once you graduate college, we're looking at heading down to uh, Brazil and trying to catch uh, the, as many game fish as we can down there. So, definitely, this challenge is not the end of our fishing prowess together. <laughs> Adam, would you like? Have you considered like almost redoing the Colorado challenge, but only on the fly and trying to get some of those species that are notoriously difficult to get on a fly rod, but maybe wouldn't, wouldn't have been that hard for you guys in this challenge just because, you know, you were using, you know, I know we talked about carp, um, you know, carp with a piece of corn is probably not as difficult as getting one to take a fly. Like, have you considered trying to go back and do that with just a fly rod or is, are you comfortable with, you know, you guys working together with both, both methods and then just moving on from there? I will put a hundred dollars down if you catch a tiger muskie on the fly. I'm just gonna put that <laughs> was, gauntlet down now. I was just about to say, uh, tiger muskie on the fly is something I want to try for sure. You know, get a good seven, eight weight rod and throw some some big meat out there. That would be fun. Uh, it's definitely something I've been considering. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still uh, 
trying to, you know, really get my trout fishing game down really good. And now that I'm guiding, um, I'm really uh, getting better at reading the water and uh, learning all about the insects that all the trout are eating. So it's been, it's been a journey, but I'll get there eventually. I think, I think, (laughs) I think that might be next for me for sure. Now, do you guys have any other um, stories from when you've been out that are just like worth noting? Just, you know, maybe not necessarily the most surprising thing that's happened or most difficult or anything, but just, you know, I, I feel like going out after so many different species and so many different environments, like, have you just had any kind of like funny or unexpected things happen along the way? Definitely. So um, one of the, I think one of the stories that kind of stands out to me for just showing that I've kind of learned a lot as an angler was um, the story of the grass carp on the fly rod. Um, Adam knows the okay, story. You guys emailed me about this. Well, no, this is, that's, this is another oh, grass carp. Oh, okay. Um, so this was, so I wanted, so um, I was struggling to kind of track down a grass carp um, on and where to catch them in Colorado. And I reach out and um, apparently there's this one spot and it's a private pond. And I talk to the guy and the guy says, look, it's fine if you want to fish in my pond, but I'm only going to let you um, fish for them on the fly because if you use bait, they could potentially swallow it. And I care a lot about these fish. I don't want them getting hurt. Um, So you can go fish here. You have my permission. Just you have to catch them on the fly. And I get kind of concerned because, as I kind of mentioned, I am certainly no fly fisherman, and catching grass carp on the fly is infamously difficult. And this story's definitely going to um, out that I'm kind of an idiot. <laughs> and so, the, the, so my plan, at the time, I thought, I'm going to be honest, I thought the weight thing on rods was a total scam. For fly I've caught... Yeah, I've caught these, I've caught gigantic catfish, like 41 inches on these ultralight rods, and I consider it possible. Like, I consider it honestly like a fun challenge. So I was thinking, yeah, this weight thing on fly rods is definitely more of a suggestion than a hard limit. (laughs) And this is when I learned, wait, hold on, I'm a moron. So it's 4am, and I get out of bed, and I spent, I had spent all night kind of tying together the this new this fly it, it was it was a bunch of green thread all kind of put together and the idea was it was i was trying to emulate this piece of algae and i'd gotten advice from a family friend uh a, who specialized in things and he said yeah i would i haven't done it myself but i'd give this a shot and so i and so i drive over to this pond and grass carp kind of they start feeding in the morning and it's 5 a.m and this pond's absolutely, it's beautiful. I'm just kind of, I'm just waiting near this one spot. I'm waiting for him to kind of come in. I'm waiting to see him because I'm scared that if I kind of stalk after him, then I could spook him and then he's never going to feed. And I'm just waiting there. And then I see him, this gigantic grass carp, just swimming along the edge. And he'll kind of stop and he'll kind of chew at some algae. And so I, I pick up my fly rod. And this fly rod, by the way, is it was a gift from a family friend. And it means so much that like he kind of he made this for me. Um, and I I value the rod with my whole heart. And so I pick it up and I cast out. And in that second that I cast, I genuinely had to remind myself to breathe. Like I was it was so intense because I'm like, I don't want to scare this fish, I'm trying something new. I have no certainty here. And the algae, the algae fly starts to sink and the grass carp finally sips it. In five seconds, I swear to you, 
half my spools empty. I have never had a freshwater hit fish that has fought that hard. And as he's like all the way at the other side of the pond, that's the exact moment I realize, okay, so maybe this weight thing really does have <laughs> something to it. What weight were you so using? A floor weight. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to haul in this gigantic carp that is fighting me with everything that it has and i'm just like please don't break the rod please don't break the rod this rod means everything i'm desperately praying and after about 30 minutes of just this excruciating fight where i'm literally like running along the side of the pond just because i'm so afraid of pulling on it like and pulling on it and potentially snapping it too much and finally i pull him into the net and i just like I pull him onto the shore and I just collapse. Like the adrenaline just leaves my body. It was, that was kind of the moment where I realized, you know, I should listen to Adam more about these things <laughs> and not just my intuition and fear of being scammed. <laughs> so Adam, were you there on that one? It sounds like you were also not there for the, for the grass carp. No, I was not there uh, on that one. We honestly, we've been kind of taking this uh, whole challenge. Just some of the times we're gonna, we're going to be together. Some of the times we're separate. Okay. Um, I've caught I caught the greenback trout, uh, greenback cutthroat on my by myself. Um, we didn't even and, realize it until later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I took some cross referencing for sure. But but I guess uh, I I there's also another really funny story um, that I feel like has to be mentioned. Um, and it involves uh, the golden trout. Um, I, I guess I'll preface by saying when we were initially planning out the golden trout, um, again, because we were both lack of experience in backpacking, we enlisted the help of one of my friends named Steven. And since now, he's become like one of Holden's great friends. He's always been one of my great friends. Um, and we, we, all three of us went out, uh, hiked up, um, in retrospect, and with not nearly enough time, uh, we ended up camping a little bit lower down than uh, we should have, uh, not uh, at the destination. When we eventually found the fish, as you kind of know, as you, Katie, have you said in your blog post, it wasn't uh, as easy as you would think. Uh, they're not where you would expect them to be. And once we eventually found them, and I hooked into one, and we and Holden, I mean, he'd like when I hooked into it, he ran like I mean, he, it, this kid was running, and he just nets this fish, and we just sit there and just scream, just not saying anything. We just scream. Yeah, it was just so funny. Same thing happened to me, and my friend. There, we just were screaming. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we scared away <laughs> every other fish in that area. <laughs> the story of the kind of golden trout is slightly different from uh, my my story is slightly different from Adam's because. It was my first ever time backpacking. Adam, oh, Adam and God. Steven. Adam's, Adam, yeah, Adam's <laughs> playing down his experience, but Adam and Steven, they're both, they know what they're doing when it comes to backpacking. I'm like looking back on it, the trip was so poorly planned. Uh, this was all of our faults. Like it was quite frankly last minute. And um, so we kind of, I'm, I'm totally new. I get this, I rent this backpack and. We head out, and I will never forget, at the one-mile mark, just my first time, my body is breaking out under me. I just, like, totally turtle next to the river. I'm just, like, panting as Adam and Steven are just, like, they're just talking, they're laughing. And I'm just thinking, 
as I'm dying of exhaustion, whose idea was this? <laughs> and so it's this brutal trek um, up there to the Golden Trout. And the first night, I think I fell into bed and I just, I have never like been that tired. And I just wake up in the morning and everything hurts. <laughs> my legs, my arms, my upper body. I, I force myself out of bed. We all do. We have to, obviously can't say too much, but we have to make a major ascent up to the spot. And um, obviously what happened with Adam is Adam catches the first golden trout and I'm just there like, wait, hold on. Adam can't be the only one. But it's also getting, it's start, the sun's starting to go down, it's starting to get dark, and, and Stephen, he's the most experienced out of all of us, is yelling at us, look, we gotta get, we gotta get down before dark, or we're gonna have some serious issues, and the adrenaline's starting to pump, and that's, like, and I finally have a second where I'm like, wait, hold on, like, I need to kind of calm down, I need to really think about this, because panicking's gonna get me nowhere, and, like, I kind of think, okay, what have I seen them take? What, like, what season is it? Like, I need to kind of, I, I can't just cast out randomly. And I use a, and I kind of, I, I think back to the research, and it was spawning season for uh, the golden trout at this time, according to this one um, ichthyologist post a while ago. And so I, I tie on this egg pattern. I cast in. And the smallest golden trout comes out and hits it. I just, I yank it out of the water. I feel terrible in retrospect, but the the adrenaline had just so hit. And I, like, catch it, and it's like, I'm worthy too. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the golden trout, he, he, I made sure he was okay when I released him. It's, but that was like, that was, it was so cool to kind of, go all this way and catch him. And the next day we head back and we're all kind of insisted, like, hold on, we need to stop by. Uh, we need to, there's this one restaurant that Steven's talking about that's allegedly incredible in the mountains. And we haul ass back. It's a gigantic trek back, like more than I've ever done. And we just absolutely, we, we were going as fast as humanly possible and we go back and we we make it back just in time and we speed to the we we are absolutely we speed to the restaurant and as we're like we get the food and as we're heading back um as Steven's driving we're heading back to Denver just the most beautiful sights I've ever seen like in the mountains and I'm eating the greatest fried chicken of my life and I'm looking out the window as lonely boys playing on the radio and I have two people who I trust with my lives, and I'm like, and we caught the hardest fish on the challenge. It's probably the happiest single memory of my life. <laughs> Just like hitting, having this crazy challenge, and led us to catching this, the quite possibly the rarest fish in Colorado. And we did it. It was, it was just so, it was so satisfying to me, like setting this challenge and following through that's awesome i feel like that's i mean i know that this was particularly a like a rare moment um 
but that that feeling is such a good feeling regardless of you know if you if you worked hard and you earned what you set out to accomplish and you got to share it with friends um like that's just such a rewarding feeling afterward that you just get to like bask in that feeling i remember that um ali and i on the way home we went to McDonald's and I was like, give me like five cheeseburgers. I just like, I just need to like <laughs> shove some food in my body, some comfort food. And like, I don't, I don't eat fast food very often, but that was like the best burger that I ever tasted. Um, even though it was oh, just like a McDonald's cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that after backpacking right. trip food combined with like this incredible achievement, it, it, it makes it the best food of your life. <laughs> yeah. I just remember me and Steven on that hike back, just like, incredibly impressed after Holden on the way there was like he was struggling man like it was hard it wasn't an easy hike to begin no. with. I mean that's a hard backpacking trip and I just remember me and Steven like going holy because he was booking it Holden like he had one track mind and it was that restaurant <laughs> and he was one track mind and he was going down fast I'm not exaggerating when I say if I don't if I did not have that restaurant and like the direct encouragement of food, I think I would have like just my heart would have just given up somewhere along the trail. <laughs> like I would not be here. <laughs> I want you to get this restaurant name from you after we get off the call because uh, you're really talking it of up. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you guys about, um, kind of just culminating this whole um, challenge you've done, and like we've discussed, it's just a way for you guys to you know experience all different kinds of fishing and all different kinds of locations and species um what resources would you recommend to somebody who is you know maybe not trying to do this challenge but just wants to be a more well-rounded angler wants to find cool spots and cool things to catch um like what kinds of things do you use to um figure out where the fish are and what techniques you should use to catch them Oh, that's a great question. Um, so what would ha- so uh, what I've kind of learned from the challenge is the value of like um, networking. Um, just meeting there are so many uh, species that are like hard to locate. So regarding online resources, the first a lot of people go to Colorado Fishing Atlas. And that's reliable. I'll say maybe fifty percent. I agree. Time from what we, from what Adam and I have experienced, um, for instance, like if you go on the Atlas and search golden trout, I guarantee you, hundred percent, all the bodies of water that it says have golden trout in it do not have golden trout in it. Believe me, Adam and I have checked, and it's so for the more obscure species, I'd say it's very unreliable. And that's when I started to kind of learn to like ask people. Um, the, the place called Discount Fishing Tackle, um, it's a fishing store in Denver. It is, they have, they helped Adam and I so much through the challenge. For instance, like the red-eared sunfish, like I never would have located them if, um, they, if the people who work there hadn't kind of told me, uh, hey, the red, like, here's where you can find, um, some of this, like, here's where they were stocked a few years ago. Here's where you can kind of catch some of them. They were just, I, I promise I'm not sponsored by them. I, they were so helpful. So um, I'd say firstly, kind of look online um, if you're looking for a fish, but then go definitely talk to um, local kind of, go to your local fishing store to ask around there. And it's really rare for me to not know like where to find a fish after kind of I exhaust both of those. Um, Again, and regarding um, techniques for like where to kind of like what techniques to use, that is 
internet's your best friend for that. Um, generally speaking, I've, I'm gonna the obscure YouTube videos uh, where obscure YouTube videos where a guy um, catches them using some crazy method have worked shockingly well for me. Um, but generally speaking, blog posts tend to be really reliable. Um, and just again, talking with uh, other experienced anglers, make sure to network is what I'm trying to ramble on and say. Yeah. In addition to that, I would definitely say now that I work in a fly shop, um, go to, especially if you're a fly fisherman, go to fly shops. They will hook you up with information. Now they might not give you information about like a super rare species like the golden trout, but if you're trying to get up and catch a cutthroat or just any type of general species of trout, they're totally going to hook you up. In addition to that, um, I bought a book called the Colorado Fishing Guide and Atlas, and it had. And if you're looking for Alpine Lake information, it has, I mean, every Alpine Lake I can even imagine, just like with what fish are in there. I gotta say, I so. I love um, you guys' recommendation to network because I feel like I don't hear that answer very often. Um, usually, I get other also very useful tips like you know Colorado Fishing Atlas and stuff like that. Um, but I would say that most of the, what I would call somewhat obscure species I've caught have come from somebody I know, uh, telling me, like giving me a tip and, um, same, like I've given away lots of tips to my friends of like where they can go catch things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't just be able to Google it online or you'd have to do a lot of like really deep digging and like going back through stocking reports and saying, okay, they could be here based on the fact that they were stocked there like a decade ago, but you don't really know. Um, but to hear from somebody that like, no, I went there last summer and you know, I caught that. Um, that's, I feel like a really, really underutilized resource and it's probably the most effective of all of them. Um, but I think a lot of people go straight to Googling, where can I catch a fill in the blank in Colorado? And like you said, the Colorado Fishing Atlas is, it's good. You know, if you want to catch a rainbow trout, go to the Colorado Fishing Atlas. Like that's a great resource for that. But if you want to catch something a little bit more obscure um, that likely hasn't been stocked recently, the internet's full of a lot of people that just like say stuff that they don't really know um, or it's or outdated information. Um, so I think a lot of that Definitely. online stuff needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, so I really like that you mentioned the networking because that's a big thing. And like, I mean, that's how we know each other is like, I got hooked up with John. You guys got hooked up with John. You guys emailed me. And like, now we all kind of know each other um, just having talked online. Um, so that's a, a really good resource. And I feel like I should definitely preface here that if anyone, especially looking for the golden trout, please don't go and comment on a blog post expecting to get information because you're not necessarily going to get it. Um, just especially for the golden trout, me and Holden worked really hard. The information's out there. And if you really want to go and you're able to get that information and, and Google Maps dive, I mean, you're willing. I feel like you're kind of deserving to you know have the opportunity to go, to go up there but don't just you know comment on a blog post and expect to get an answer um that we're just going to hand it out to you because it's kind of part of the fun to really discover it on your own definitely if we if we told everyone about where they are um the golden they will get fished out of existence they will get heavily pressured and as far as we know this is a small population and they are extremely rare in Colorado. So if you do find them and do go, be careful. Don't keep them. 
and we're not going to tell you where to find them. It's so much more rewarding on your own. You've got to trust me on this one. I think that's the case across all of fishing. I think John and I talked about this a lot when he came on the show. Um, that it's just half the fun is trying to find out where this stuff is. And then it's it's even fun when you go there and you were wrong and you don't find anything. Like the worst thing that happens is you go fishing and you catch something else. Um, but then you've then you've checked that off the list of like, okay, it's not there. Time to like go back to the drawing board and figure out um, where these species are. Um, and like I, I told you guys about before we recorded about uh like the lake trout and it's that's that was a tip i got from somebody and and that can be found online it's not like a particularly difficult um thing to find where to catch lake trout on a fly but um still like you gotta go and like research and look at things look at pictures look at stocking reports and then go out and say i don't know if i'm gonna catch this i don't know if they're even in there still but like i'm gonna go find out and that the whole process you know catching the fish and getting it in the net is a is five percent of the fun of the whole uh experience of of figuring it out and getting yourself out there that's the other thing with the golden trout is even if you know where they are uh, most people aren't going to get there and that's just that's just the way it is um and it just makes it all the more special when you actually do definitely um i also just want to add on something that i've kind of really helped is um Parks and, wi- Parks and Wildlife is super helpful when it comes to um, helping regarding stock airports and most importantly, regulations. Uh, like I know that kind of people can somehow, I've, I've read through the fishing regulations thing and I know it can somehow, it can be intimidating to find like, hey, is this allowed or not? So if you're ever in doubt, um, call. I have literally never had a time where they've been unhelpful they've always like kind of helped to clarify because they're they're there to make sure one that like that the fish are safe and the environment's safe and two that like and they like there is a strong motivation that like they want you to catch fish so if you ever in doubt with like regulations what's legal what's not make sure to call cpw and oftentimes they'll call they'll give you a hint for where to catch something they they have a they have a good that's a great point yeah and especially as it relates to bat country i know i've called some of the senior biologists and they they are actually interested because they want you to go up there and they want you to tell them what you found you know like how is that population of fish doing um so they've been super helpful i've asked them about especially as it relates to cutthroat just kind of near my in my area i've just been kind of curious on kind of what what it looks like so for sure, just shoot those senior biologists a call. They're your friend. They'll they'll help you out. That's a great tip. Um, just to just to finish up, I don't know how public you guys are in terms of uh, you know, people coming and talking to you, but do you have uh, any way for people to reach out to you if they want to like follow you on social media or like email you or anything like that? If someone's interested in maybe coming to Fish Colorado and you know they've heard okay, these two guys have caught like most of the species in the state. Um, are there, is there any good way for people to talk to you? Um, yeah, um, you could contact me. Feel free to contact me by um, email. Um, my name, my email's uh, Ryu R Y U Holden H O L D E N uh, at gmail dot com. Um, if you if you're curious about um, a particular species, I'm more than willing to help out. Uh, obviously, some of them I can't tell you because they're. It, for instance, the place where I caught the tiger muskie is private and a few other species are very small populations and i can't let you know but the vast majority i'd love to help you out please let me know and um if it's all right 
Uh, there's a few species that Adam and I are still missing on the list, and we actually, we'd love to kind of reach out to the public as we've tried to kind of track down where these are in Colorado and have had very little luck. So if you know uh, where to catch um, white bass or uh, white bass and striped bass um, and flathead catfish in Colorado, um, please, please shoot me an email. I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> Um, thank you. Yeah, feel free to reach. That's good. Yeah, and uh, if anyone has any questions, especially related towards fly fishing, feel free. I work at Vale Valley Anglers. I'll be up there all summer. Feel free to just stop by, ask for Adam. I'll be there four days a week. Um, and if not, um, Adam N. Theret at gmail.com, and the last name is T H I R E T. Um, yeah, just feel free to shoot me an email. I'll, I'm super happy to help anyone out who has any questions. Well, that's awesome, guys. I am really looking forward to seeing like how the end of this challenge goes. I know you've got... Uh, tell me tell me uh, what all species you have left. I know you just listed the three that are like really, really puzzling you, but there are some that you just haven't gotten around to catching yet. What, what all is remaining for you guys? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the main ones that are... The main ones that... The only ones that are really left are uh, the white bass, the blue catfish... Uh, the green sunfish, <laughs> we mentioned that already, the uh, mountain whitefish, uh, cocaine salmon, we haven't been able to get that one because Adam and I both have to leave for college in the uh, fall, yep. so, and we only fish during the summer, uh, the sawgai and the spelaki. Um We mostly have a, a line on where to catch those, but also any tips with those would also be really appreciated, so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, I will um, keep in touch with you guys for sure. And maybe next time you come up here, um, we can go out fishing together and maybe try to get you uh, your green sunfish or, or white fish or lake trout. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if, you hear any, if you hear any fireworks, you know, you know, you know, a challenge is done. Oh, it sounds is, good. is it okay? Can I, can I give a quick in on the, on the large grass carp problem that yeah, we have yeah. reaching out to the public? Gotcha. So Adam and I, ever since the challenge has begun, Adam and I have been tortured by a single fish. I am a fish biologist. I work at a lab studying these fish, and I do not make the assertion lightly that I have reason to believe that this is a state record grass carp. But for two years, we have tried every single tactic for carp that exists under this sun. You name it. We have used boilies, we have used bread, we have used corn, everything. Attractants, every rig imaginable, and oh yeah, cherry tomatoes, everything. I promise there's so much more that I can't recall. And what'll happen is these ravenous trout will eat these eat the bait out right from under us before the carp even give even get close. If you have any insight onto how to catch these grass carp, we would love to hear it. <laughs> I have succeeded in not making a Moby Dick metaphor, but only barely, because this is our white whale. So please, if you can help save our sanity, please. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, crowds crowdsource if there's any grass carp experts out there that know how to, to keep trout off of a corn <laughs> and get a grass carp to bite. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely reach out to me or, or either of the guys here and uh, it'd be fun to make that happen. Get a giant grass cart. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will let you guys get going. Uh, hang around afterwards. I think we have a lot to talk about, but um, it was great talking to you guys and I wish you the best of luck in the rest of your challenge. Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.